Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And let's lock it in with Cam Rogers right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and we have a true professional on the show this week one of my favorites in the industry somebody whom I consider a friend now Ariel Epstein who is now a sports betting host and analyst for Yahoo Sportsbook you folks may recognize that name because of course I had been on her show at Sports Grid TV for quite some time going back to February in fact it just started with a text message to one of the folks out there at Sports Grid, he's like, hey, go on the morning after. I was like, sure, that'd be great. Went on with Ariel, and they wanted me back as a regular guest. And of course, I'm still on there with Ben Stevens. But it's been a great relationship with Ariel ever since. And my gracious, she is incredibly hardworking. I mean, check her out on Twitter, at Ariel Epstein. She is constantly tweeting out pics and people engage with her. It's just absolutely wonderful. And it's been a busy week for you, Ariel, here, ramping things up with Yahoo Sportsbook. So my gracious, I think it's a miracle, a Hail Mary pass from Joe Flacco to Jacoby Jones for the fact that you're on with me right now. Thank you so much. And that's why they won the Super Bowl. So you've won your Super Bowl. No, I'm just, I'm glad to be here. And we've, I can't believe it was only February. It felt like you were on right. the show for a lot longer than that. Always being able to come on and give us picks for anything we ask you. There's so much to bet on in golf. I couldn't believe that you had all of these different, all these different plays to give us on a show every single week. Even these tournaments, we'd have other golf analysts call out and say, Hey, listen, like this, no one covers this event. This event's terrible. Here comes Cam another Wednesday on the morning after, and he's ready to go giving you the full board. Well, of course, I love the game of golf, but my first love is being on air, talking in front of crowds, talking in front of a camera. And of course, I'm sure that's a big love for you as well, Ariel. And golf betting has been rapidly rising, but I do want to talk about the betting industry in general. Before we get there, though, you're starting things up with Yahoo Sportsbook. And I think this is very indicative of where we are headed in the industry. The fact that we're seeing so many new hires and moving up the ladder and all that jazz. I just want to talk to you about this new role, your emotions, your thoughts behind it, how excited you are. I'm really excited. The way of the future is not only sports betting, it's also digital media. Yahoo puts emphasis on digital media. What's great about it is you could put up videos on a Tuesday for your football Sunday and your video is still going to be there. I had so many people and I love live TV, love live radio. There's just so many people who work throughout the day. They'll text me or message me and they'll say, Hey, I missed your show. What plays did you give out? All I really want to say is watch the content guys. That's yeah. why I do it. And I'm nice. I give them the pigs. However, when you have Yahoo Sportsbook and you could go digital and you could just go to their Twitter feed and look back at their Twitter feed and say, oh, that's what Ariel's giving out for this week. That's what makes it the way of the future. I look at my 14 year old brother who legally can't gamble yet. However, I do look to how he consumes his news. The kid hasn't watched live television aside for games in forever. He gets all his news off Snapchat. TikTok. I mean, to a fault, he thinks that like 18 year old doctors on TikTok are legit. I tell him they're not. Um, but otherwise, that's the way of the future. It's just digital media. And Yahoo Sportsbook makes a lot of the videos that we do look really cool. It's not just 
cut and paste here's ariel's picks mm -hmm. it's hey let's make this look pretty fancy doll it up with some different effects we're going to have a lot of shows coming out, like short series shows, about two to three minutes. You don't need a very uh, big attention span for it. You could just watch for your two to three minutes, get all the information you need, and play some winners. You know, Ariel, we went to Big J School, you, Syracuse, me, University of Maryland. I think while we were there, and I think we were the same class as well, 2017, we were starting to see those signs of digital 2016. media. 2016. Okay. 2016. All right. I'm a year after. Uh, <laughs> we were starting to see those signs, though, of mm -hmm. the digital media taking over, right? And then you have this. I got graded for my tweets. Oh, did you really? Yeah. It was part <laughs> of my grade. Oh, man. So, I mean, that just goes to show now we're starting to see it in practice, especially like with your content at Yahoo. And there are so many other sports books out there that are putting out digital only content as well. And so I guess I will parlay, no pun intended, into this conversation here about where we are headed in the sports betting industry. Because I'll be honest with you, I probably got into sports betting during the PGA Tour restart, June of 2020, when golf came back after the shutdown, everybody needed something to bet on and golf was that one thing yeah. you could, yeah. And so I kind of got on board with that. So admittedly, I'm still in my infancy of learning sports betting, and that's why I have people like you on. So in terms of where we are headed, there's got to be great momentum right now. And I'm sure you could talk for three hours about this, but just some spark notes, if you will, about the betting industry. The betting industry is getting mainstreamed, which back three even or even two years ago, people looked at you and said, sports betting, yikes, that's what you're getting into. I said, yeah, it's going to be the way of the future. Not only did COVID accelerate the process because the states need money, it also has given people something to root for when they were sitting at home doing nothing. Right. People wanted to get into the betting space because it gives you a leg in the game. Daily fantasy is how I got into handicapping sports. I've been playing even just season-long fantasy since I was in sixth grade. Daily fantasy, when that became a new thing, I lo absolutely loved it because I just loved the numbers behind the game and figuring out which player I'm going to put in lineups. The problem is daily fantasy. You've pretty much got to get everybody right. And you've mm -hmm. got to get the sleepers, the dark horses. You got to get those right too. Where you're betting props or any sides in any kind of betting space. If you're able to just guess it right and win your bet, you don't need to rely on the tournament. You just rely on yourself to get the bet right. That's what drew me into the gambling community once passport was repealed and we were able to bet anywhere outside of Las Vegas. The states are going to continue to make this legal, especially from a mobile betting standpoint. Mobile betting is where all the money is. You look to New Jersey, they've been the leader uh, out of every state that's legalized this so far. Jersey generated billions of dollars already, a billion dollars, which is just insane. Amazing. New York passed it. New York just is trying to get it up and running. Same thing for Maryland. Florida may be close behind. Everything's about politics and everything's about money. And that's where sports betting is going to come in because after COVID, these states need the money. And what better way to do it than by getting people into sports betting? And I've had a lot of family friends too, Cam, that have said to me, what are your thoughts on sports betting? Because they've had some kids in college who get into trouble because when you're betting with a bookie or you're betting on some offshore, et cetera, mm -hmm. you are paying on a credit and you could get yourself into deep, deep problems, deep trouble without using a 
bad word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because you just get lost in how you get lost in how much money you've been spending. And that's the problem. Whereas on these main sites, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, you have to put the money in, in order to actually place your bet. You're not betting on a credit. The more that sports betting ends up coming to the mainstream and is being watched, the safer sports betting will be and less holes people will find themselves in. I also think that when you see companies like Yahoo and DraftKings and BetMGM getting into the fold here, that puts people at ease because they're like, oh, we know those companies, like they're legit, blah, 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 right? So I think that is a big thing as well. So it really is exciting to see, you know, how this content continues to come out and I will hedge a bet that sports betting will eventually take over fantasy and season long in particular Ariel, because it's like, you could be out of it in week seven for the NFL, for instance, right? Then what do you do? How about you bet? Because you can do that every single week, right? Exactly. I've loved fantasy. And if you have certain leagues, I mean, the thing with fantasy is in my season long league, you could still make money every week if you're the leader which is more incentive for people to want to keep playing the game however season-long fantasy sometimes is really hard to just stay on top of daily fantasy is annoying to me i love it but it after betting and after the props market that gives you so many options on these sports books i hate the fact that i I don't want to put hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars into one of these dfs contests or a bunch of dfs contests to be a sleeper short of winning where I hit eight out of my nine players who had fire days. And then the one guy I have has zero points and I lose, maybe I make $10. It frustrates me. You're so right. You have to be perfect in daily. Yeah. If I hit eight out of nine props in betting, I'm having a great day. Yeah. If I hit eight out of nine players in DFS, I lose. It's a great point. It's a great point. And I've been playing daily fantasy golf for quite some time and it's hard, man. I mean, it is hard. And you look at the screenshots too of people who actually win in daily fantasy. They make like 300 lineups and like 250 of them are in like the gray where they're not winning money. So yeah, I can see why sports betting is certainly rising in popularity. Well, folks, obviously Ariel is the prop queen. I was once dubbed the prop prince on air on sports grid, but that's not going to stick folks. This one has totally stuck. And Ariel, I just want to talk to you about props in general seems to be your personal brand and what is the attraction to prop bets why should people kind of go in that direction if they want to make the most money I always call props the gateway into it's like a gateway drug it's the gateway into betting especially if you're a DFS or fantasy player it's the same handicap you look to the games you see the matchups you see who in those matchups matches up well against the defense That's how I pick out the props. I look at defenses that are bad against the run defenses, bad against passing people who are defenses that are uh, allowing a lot of different deep balls to be thrown against them on a weekly basis. That's how I find a lot of the props that I look towards. The reason I love them is because it does make the game more fun to watch. It's already fun. If you're betting sides and totals, Mm -hmm. there's so many factors that goes into sides and totals. If you're betting on one player, same thing as DFS, just find the right matchup and hit the over, or you could find a bad matchup and hit it under. There's a lot of ways to play. I even had, um, I'm in this group chat with a ton of sharp, about eight really sharp bettors. They never focused on props ever. And I got invited into the group chat because they don't focus on props. They focus on sides, money lines, totals. I had a few of them who are these people that have been betting for probably 40 years. 
He said, I never looked at props before. Ariel, your props make it fun to watch the game, the entire game. I said, yeah, welcome to the market. They were funny though. They said, wow, I just had to use three or four different books to find your numbers. I said, I know that's the problem with props. You've got to shop around. Yet it's so much fun because on a football Sunday, I'm sitting there looking around at all the different games, seeing who's who's on offense and am I going to hit my bet? Is my total tackles prop going to hit? In Major League Baseball too, last night I'm watching the World Series and I had bets on Gurriel to get a base hit, which he did. I had a bet for Alvarez to have over one and a half total bases. Didn't happen. But then I also had the first five money line on the Astros. I'm sitting there watching each at bat and I'm like, oh, is Alvarez up yet? Oh, is Gurriel up yet? It makes it so much more fun to watch the game, especially if you feel like you lose some attention, like your attention span is like kind of tough on a daily basis. It makes you really want to watch it. Especially when it comes to baseball too, for a lot of people, they can find it a little bit slow. And so when you have skin in the game, that makes it so much more interesting. Ariel Epstein, host and sports betting analyst for Yahoo Sportsbook at Ariel Epstein on Twitter. I mean, pretty remarkable stuff, folks. She doesn't just throw out her props. She will post a notes app picture screenshot with descriptions and reasoning why she's making those picks. I saw this the other day. I'm shaking my head. I'm like, oh my God, this girl's unbelievable. So definitely check her out for all of her picks. Football betting. So that's a big focus here on Lock It In with Cam Rogers. You talked a little bit about props and how it's a gateway. What are your thoughts on spreads, money lines, totals? Is there a specific avenue you like to go there as far as NFL and college football, or is it very much game dependent for you? I really like betting spreads. I like that. And I like teasers. I don't really follow totals too often. Sometimes I do, for example, I'll follow some totals on really good defenses, such as the Patriots being one of them. Sometimes they'll face teams like, let's just say they face the Chiefs. People are going to think, oh, the Chiefs, they score a lot. Well, you're probably going to get an inflated number because you think the Chiefs score a lot. Mm -hmm. You're not considering that the Patriots have a really good defense. I'll look to team totals also. I like to bet some team totals on teams, especially if they are up against a really good or bad defense. When it comes to betting spreads, I've learned so much from a bunch of my friends in the business over the last few years. Betting spreads gets complicated because you think you have a side. You think you love it. You know it. Then you find out 90% of the public's also betting it. Then you say, ooh. Oh, that's not good. Usually it's that curse that we see on prime time. When you have all of the announcers from ESPN, NBC say all five analysts say, oh yeah, this game's going to this team. The logos are all the same at the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) And you say, oh no, if you're on that side, forget it. You're done. Those are the things that I've learned is just like you, you've got to follow the market just as well as you have to follow the game. Following the market, super important, figuring out, like getting into the head of a sports book or getting into the head of those traders, making sure that you are thinking the way the traders are, not thinking the way that, not thinking, hey, I'm going to beat the market because I'm really good at handicapping football, thinking, what are the traders thinking in making that move? And why did they make that move? And should I be on their side or should I be on the other side of it? Those are the things that I have to, I've had some struggle sometimes. The public side is typically the wrong side. And I wouldn't say always, it's been a pretty, the beginning of the NFL season tends to be kind of public, Mm -hmm. but then at the end of the year, like for example, the sharpest thing I've probably done all year has been betting the first half spread against the Chiefs. I have bet, I've taken the points in the first half in every game this year against Kansas City, and I'm pretty sure I've hit all but one of them. 
uh, they've only won one first half. They are always overvalued. And I remember reading this in one of those football magazines in the preseason. The Chiefs were one of the worst first half teams last year and one of the best third quarter teams. Interesting. Washington just covered and won the first half against them and lost the game and didn't cover the spread at the end. The first half against Kansas City has been one of the plays that has been super contrarian. People look at me and say, oh, you're only you're taking three points against Kansas City in the first half. I'm like, yeah, I am. I don't care if it's Washington. I don't care if it's Jacksonville. I'm taking them all. Yeah, it's so interesting how granular you can get talking about first half, first quarter. You nailed that Chiefs and Titans one. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was another first half. Yeah. Another first half bet. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting. Before I did a hit with uh, Jenks and Chelsea on her or their show, The Daily Tip, they were talking about how professionals in betting are like 58%. Like, it's so freaking hard. I mean, you look at the experts online against the spread, their records, barely over 500. I'm barely over 500 right now. It's so difficult. It is. And that's what a lot of people on Twitter don't understand a lot of, and I have to be honest, I have a really great following of people and Mm. I don't have 150,000 followers. I have about 28,000 and I'd say 27.9 of them are super nice about losses. People know if you're in the betting industry, you know, that if you come over to my Twitter page, you've been profiting more than you haven't been. And that's just what you have to keep in mind. Has your betting been better based on the people you're following or has it gotten worse? If you're learning from the people that you're betting and taking advice from, then good, keep doing that. They're not going to win all the time. I got the best advice from Yanni the Greek, who works at Wager Talk in UFC. He's awesome. He came on the show on Sports Grid every Friday with me. Mm. He told me that last year, through the first six or eight weeks of the NFL season, He was so in the red. He said it was the worst he's ever been in his life. And he's been betting for 40, probably 40 years. And he said it was the worst he's ever done. He ends up at like 58%, 60%, whatever it was come the end of the season. You can't let your lows get too low and you can't let your highs get too high. You just got to keep grinding it out and trusting the process. Yanni said he never changed his process. He kept going because he knows he's been profitable for 40 years betting this way. And he ends up being profitable in the long run. So a few bad weeks doesn't define you. You know, I think the other thing too, Ariel, is that your followers, followers of other personalities out there aren't necessarily looking for 100% correctness, right? I think they want a personality to have a connection to, right? And somebody they can interact with online. You know, if you're alone and you're watching a football game, you want to tweet at the person that you watch all the time. Hey, like, Pick's doing well. Thanks so much. It's that sort of aspect as well, is it not? Yeah, and they want to interact with people. That was the one thing that I learned so much from this business is interaction. I never thought that that was going to be, and I, I haven't said this in a long time because it's kind of fallen off since betting's become so big. But a year ago, when I would do interviews like this with people, they said, what's the one thing that surprises you the most about sports betting? I would say interaction. Mm -hmm. I did not realize how much that it helped you to interact with an audience. That's why I look at other mainstream sportscasters, not all of them, but a bunch of them who I entered the business with at the same time, let's say. And they're just in the mainstream sports world. No betting, no fantasy, nothing, just mainstream sports. Their following has stayed pretty consistent for our entire career post-college. There's no interaction involved in in relaying news. There's just nothing. But if you're betting and you're playing fantasy, you have your viewers who are riding and dying with you all football Sunday, all football Sunday. I'm sitting there getting tweets. Great job. Like we hit it. Thank you, Ariel. Like, this is awesome. You, you nailed it. 
and not and i'm not saying that to to my own horn i'm saying it it's fun like i could say to them thanks so much for following and i'm glad that we hit together it was so much fun what a great game those are the fun parts about this business it's just being able to interact with people and have fun with them in the you i've never met these people in my life sure and here i am feeling like i know them and that they're my friends in fact i enjoy hanging out with football twitter more than i enjoy hanging out with most people i watch football games with in person it's truly remarkable and i'm certainly not at the level as you are in terms of engagement but i will say some of the best moments in my career are when people just DM me and say, hey, man, saw you on this, saw you on that, riding with your pick. Like, it just makes you feel good, you know? And if you're wrong, you're wrong. And trust me, I'm out in front about it too. Cam Auto Fade Rogers, that's what my friends call me. So <laughs> you got to be authentic, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's really a great part about it. All right, let's talk about our Baltimore Ravens here because we have to. All right, so we're coming off a bye week, or we're in the bye week right now, and... Thank God. Thank God I was at brunch last Sunday with no TVs around. It was for a birthday, and the Ravens obviously got destroyed by the Cincinnati Bengals at MNT. Yeah. What do we make of this? I mean, I'm having a hard time understanding who these Ravens are, and I think the injuries are obviously a big-time factor. The offensive line has been a huge factor. When you lose Makari to an injury mid-game, the problem with the Ravens that I've started to notice has been they can't adjust post-injuries right away. Look at what happened week one against the Vegas Raiders. That was a terrible situation that I couldn't judge them for because four days prior to their kickoff of the game one of the season, they lose a running back and they lose a cornerback. And nonetheless, I mean, losing Marcus Peters, their corner was – the worst injury that they had. I don't give me all three running backs combined. Marcus Peters still was the biggest loss to that Ravens team. Mm. The Ravens couldn't adjust well. And granted it was a close game and Vegas has proven to be a good team this year. However, Vegas and the Ravens game, the Ravens should have won and they probably would have if they didn't suffer injuries four days prior. Now you lose Macari last week to Cincinnati. Lamar Jackson was scrambling the entire game. He couldn't get any separation with his receivers. He couldn't see the field. All he wanted to do was run. And I hate when he does that because I don't want him to risk injury. He's been so good, Lamar, at running in the, uh, at keeping, at staying in the pocket. He couldn't do that in that game with Cincinnati. Thought maybe in the second half, they'd make adjustments. They just don't have the depth at the offensive line position anymore to be able to make those kinds of adjustments at halftime dealing with these injuries. The defense, too, their secondary is a big issue. They've played a little bit tighter recently, but this bye week came at the perfect time. I just hope that at some point the Ravens make some kind of big trade. I know that they just traded for an offensive lineman who's going to start on the practice squad and then work his way up to probably get activated on the 53-man. I want to see them go for a corner. I just want to see them do something splashy to say, hey, we are trying to win a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, if he makes – people have asked me, do you think the Ravens win the division? Yeah, because I think if there's any offensive line worse than the Ravens, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yet, I don't see the Ravens winning a playoff game. There's too many better teams out there than this Ravens team that's confusing. They need to get wins because the end of the year for them is absolutely brutal. They have to go on the road to Cincinnati. They have to play the Steelers twice. They still have to play the Browns again, in addition to having to play the Green Bay Packers. It's just a brutal end of the year for them. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a 180 from that Chargers game to the Bengals game. 
who are these Ravens? I don't know what their identity is. We talk about the offensive line. There's nothing worse than watching bad offensive line play, aside from maybe not getting a pass rush, which is another issue for us, yes. dating back to the Doomerville days, for crying out loud. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, the Ravens have adversity, but John Harbaugh is one of the best head coaches in terms of dealing with that. So yeah. we shall see going forward. Want to quickly touch upon our savior, from a Super Bowl not too long ago. Joe Flacco recently dealt to the Jets, and I don't think he's starting this week against the Bengals. Mike White is. I don't like this at all, by the way. Why isn't Joe starting? Probably because even though Flacco was with the Jets, it's a new system. It's a new head coach in Robert Salah. It's a different, it's probably a lot that they've changed over the last year, especially working under a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. Maybe next week, if Wilson's still out, they start Flacco. He's a veteran quarterback. He knows how to read a playbook. There's a reason they traded for him. They right. need him. And that's why this week, probably just not ready and established with his receivers and running backs yet. Hint, hint to my next episode, loving the Bengals at minus 10 and a half, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for that. All right, let's get to the part where everybody is ready to ramp up for Ariel best bets. For week eight, NFL or college football, what do you have for us? Kind of walk us through what you're looking at. The two best plays that I've got for you, especially because I've got two really good friends, Kelly in Vegas and Chris Thurston. They both absolutely love these plays in the NFL. The New Orleans Saints plus five and a half hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and okay. the New England Patriots and their seven points. The reason that the Saints is the play I'd probably like the most is because it's a revenge spot for Jameis Winston. He's going up against his former team. The Bucs don't have a great secondary, and the Saints have a ton of deep threats, including Marquez Calloway. Also, the Saints' defense is great. Look at what we just saw in a revenge spot between the Patriots and the Bucs. It was a two-point game because the Patriots have a really good defense. The Saints have a really good defense. Tom Brady doesn't do well against really good defenses. Now, granted, I'm not saying he loses. I'm just saying... It wouldn't shock me if this is a closer game than people think, especially because Brady's gone up against some wishy-washy defenses of late, like the Miami Dolphins. He's going to have to face a tougher contest, nonetheless, inside the Dome in New Orleans. I like the Saints at plus five and a half, and apparently Sean Payton has only been an underdog eight times in New Orleans at home, a home underdog eight times. He's 6-1-1 one one ATS. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. I was really struggling with that line as well. And I'm glad that you are coming on to sort of walk me through that because yeah, I mean, look, Tom Brady lost to the saints, albeit with drew Brees twice last year. So it's not like Jameis Winston isn't a capable quarterback and keeping that one tight as well. All right. So you think the Patriots keep it close with the chargers? Yeah, I can see the Patriots keeping it close. They're another one that has a really good defense. The Chargers struggled against the Ravens very badly. The Patriots are, I'm pretty sure they're still seven point favorites. Uh, I want to make sure that line didn't move as I'm saying that. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Why can't I find this game? Beauty of betting, folks. It can move. I know. I know. Um, okay. I don't know why BetMGM doesn't have this game up. Do you see it on your end? I'm like wasting time here and I hate doing that. Oh, here see. it is. Okay. I found it. No, five points. Okay. So the Patriots are at Ooh, five okay. now. So that line's moved. I'm pretty sure it was at a six or a seven. Uh, so I would take the five points with the Patriots considering their defense is really good. And the same way that the Patriots look good. I mean, the Ravens defense was real played real tight against the chargers. Everyone's going to probably run to bet the chargers. They're at home coming off a of bye week People think, Oh, that's like classic. I'm, they're going to cover a spread. Uh, I'm not buying it. And then also just again, that, same thing with that primetime game. 
Chiefs Giants. Chiefs probably win the game, but I'm still going to take the first half points with the Giants considering that first half trend I spoke about earlier. There you have it, folks. Lock it in with Cam Rogers with special guest Ariel Epstein, one of the newest members of the Yahoo Sportsbook. Ariel, what's to come in terms of content? Tell the people out there. Yahoo Sportsbook, I actually, it is the Ravens bye week. It's also my bye week. I'm leaving to go to Aruba this week. So I'm real pumped about that. Uh, But following that, so after it's around the week of November 8th, I'll be doing new shows for Yahoo, two to three minutes long, shorter form shows. One of them going to be a prop queen show. Get to show you about three times a week, three different. I'll give out probably about three to five props of prop queen show, and we'll have those airing three times. Also be doing a lot of NBA daily fantasy, giving you the best plays, the fades, your sleeper picks of the night. We're going to be doing a lot of NBA content once Major League Baseball's over. Yahoo Sports and NBA have a really good partnership. Real excited for that. Also going to be doing some work with BetMGM, especially when they start getting things up and running in Maryland. Great. Yes, let's yeah, go. <laughs> I'm so excited. I cannot wait. So looking forward to building on that partnership, not just with BetMGM, but also with BetMGM and the Baltimore Ravens, who is like their lead sports book, which will be awesome. Exciting times, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a busy week for Ariel Epstein, and I am so grateful that she has taken time out of this week to join me on Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Ariel, this has been fun. Change it up. You know, not a 10-minute interview. can kind of sit down and take our hats off and just chill. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Cam. Good luck to your bets this weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.